0: T V as a uh, Daw, I guess is, right? Yeah, that's all they, you know. They okay, they you know, right. i just come in. <laughs> dope, dope. But yeah, welcome to episode 35 of all that podcast. You know, I got DJ Overflow with me. What and, up, what up? And the boy AZ. <laughs> yes, sir. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, and so you would hear those, you know, names and you would think like, okay, I got DJ Overflow and AZ. You think, you know, that's like secular music, but you, you'll be wrong. <laughs> yeah yeah these are a christian dj and a christian rapper you know what i mean Set right. that off from the mo city you from mo city too uh that's
1: i'm it. actually from uh originally you know you ain't gonna know where it's at Look. warden county but i'm i'm gonna just sound from houston man i'm okay to I university of county houston is. okay he <laughs> yeah. knows where it's from yeah. all right yeah. let's go <laughs> all right b-town texas got, then,
0: got a cougar in the house <laughs> yeah yeah that's it yeah man so like i was just telling you i've never heard of a christian dj before yeah 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 yeah. like how does that i'm trying to picture you like you do parties and stuff i do
2: parties i do i mean corporate events i do king says weddings i mean i've done (laughs) i've done concerts (laughs) Mm -hmm. i've been on tour i've done tours i've been on bt music matters uh out in new york at sob's with my boy reconcile i've done a lot of stats (laughs) yeah man I've, i've done a lot of great things you know uh it's dope. I think, I think a lot of people can't seem to fathom the idea that there's a, such a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the reality is, man, I think we're paving waves, man. We're opening doors. Just like back in the days, hip-hop was really driven by a lot of 5%ers, right?
0: Definitely. Back
2: in the days. Mm-hmm. And also DJs were a lot of 5%ers. Where I feel like, you know what I'm saying, how can we take the culture and the essence of the culture, even from DJing, mm-hmm. scratching, mixing, mashing up, and I was like, man, as a believer, it's like, man, how do we do that? How do I keep the essence of that where, like, I'm not cheesy? Because we can talk about cheesy Christian rap music back we in the days. Can. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, there that, that was a time and an era where there was some cheesy. I think we're in a better place now. Right. Um, but I think, you know, for me growing up in, into hip-hop, you know, and being um, exposed to hip-hop in sixth grade from breakdancing, uh, mm-hmm. I, was, I was around DJs.
0: Even if you look at like the mainstream rappers, you see kind of like an intersection of spirituality, you know, and hip hop. Sure. Like the chance rappers of the world. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. 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 It's definitely you know not a like a crazy thing now, to see that. So, um, you're a preachers kid, right?
2: I'm a PK. Okay, you're yeah, a PK. PK.
0: Usually, like when I hear about most PKs, they yeah. had to like um, go out of their way to get a hold of hip hop or R-rated movies. Did you have to go through that? You
2: know I did, man, being young, I had to I had to I had to kind of hide from my parents that I was breakdancing. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? So after school, I would come home and then head over to my boy's garage and practice. You know, they they didn't even know what breakdancing was. They didn't know. And mind you, I'm I'm the first generation to live here in the States. They came from Central America. You know what okay. I'm saying? And so for them, the ideas of even hip-hop culture was non-existent. Like, they didn't know anything about any of that stuff. Yeah. And then, mind you, being the fact that they're preachers, and back then, it was a lot of fire and brimstone era back in the day, so it was a lot harder. So, yeah, I had to hide, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. a lot of things from them. Right. You know?
0: So when did they find out, like, that you were involved in
2: <clears throat> So I think they found out, man, was... Uh,
0: and how was the reaction?
2: you know it was, it was a mixed reaction, it was weird, it was a mixed reaction it was uh it was like they they knew I was doing it, but I could tell they weren't okay with it, but because it was also like an unknown area for them too it, it was just this unspoken thing in the air, but I kind of knew was like I don't think they're really feeling this <laughs>
0: yeah you know
2: so exactly. so I remember I, I remember we try to have a practice session at my house mm. Mm-hmm. Once. And uh, I mean, my dad came in and kind of looked at everybody that was there. And I kind of knew that face. Yeah. And it was like the first and the last time we ever practiced in my garage. (laughs)
0: Ever. Ever. He he had to say nothing. It was like, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That ain't what's up. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So what um, led you to fall in love with the breakdancing culture and hip-hop as a whole?
2: Man, so I actually went to this YMCA out in like uh, Pasadena, Mm -hmm. right? And we went to go play ball. I had some friends that we were going to go play at the YMCA. And at this particular YMCA, man, they had a... uh, they had, like, a stage area or something like that. And so there was dudes hooping, but there was a stage area where these dudes were out there breakdancing. Yeah. And so had, they had all the breakdancing music going on. And I was just, one, I was like, what is this? What is this? How can humans be on their heads spinning? Like, what? <laughs> you know, that was yeah. crazy. And then the other thing that was crazy about it was even the music, though. The music really played this part. Like, it was like, yo, this is cool. Like, they spinning on the floor. They're doing footwork. But the music goes with it. And so I think for me it was a little bit of both. It was both of the freedom of expression. I think that really kind of dragged me. And part of that had to do with the fact that I was a PK. So growing right. up, you know what I'm saying, your parent, you can't you can't express yeah. or be free to express certain things because right. they may not be God honoring in a sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I mean? So I think for sense. me I found there was something in me that was like, man, this is dope. Like I can be free, I can do this. Mm-hmm by way of breakdancing so that's kind of how it happened
0: so when did the the decision to because i'm pretty sure it wasn't always in your head like i'm gonna be a christian dj or i'm gonna do this no 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 so when did that come about
2: so so before i mean before even before getting into that like i said i grew up breakdancing. I grew up into hip-hop scene. I grew up uh, listening to like James Brown, all the funk breaks back in the day, you know what I'm saying? Grew up into knowing, realizing that they sampled records into hip-hop stuff. So I was was always growing up around all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I kind of went through a real dark time, uh, like in about ninth grade, where I had a real bad relationship. I was with this particular uh, female for like three years. Mm -hmm. I was young, naive, dumb, um, didn't really have like a great relationship with my parents. So when this breakup kind of came about, man, I, I, it was just heart, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. So I didn't know what to run to. Yeah. I had friends that I ran to as far as breakdancing, but that wasn't like really helping me get through this emotional state that I was in. And so this is when the rave scene and rave parties kind of came in. So my boy who I breakdance with was like, Hey bro, there's going to be this rave party. We're all going to go. All the B boys are going to go. Mm-hmm. You should come check it out. And this particular rave was, a. Uh, it's called transit. This is the rave that was actually uh on the news by the it was probably one of the biggest raves out in the Ast- I think it was Astrodome or something like that or Astro. Oh, so this Re-
0: was a big deal.
2: This was a big deal. <laughs> so he was like he was like, Hey, you should come, we gotta connect at at the door so you ain't gotta pay. Yeah. So Back then, of course, I couldn't go out, so I snuck out of my house. You know what I'm saying? My mm-hmm. friend picked me up, snuck out of the house. I'm heading to this this transit rave thing, and just, everybody was there. All my dancer friends were there. I show up, I get in for free, whatever. And so my boy that invited me ends up giving me an ecstasy tab. Mm. And so mind you, here I am, a hurt kid. You know, going through this emotional ride. Don't have anybody to really talk through this this situation. I, I, he gives me this pill he's like hey this is on me enjoy it I don't know what I'm doing yeah you just... I don't know what this xcc pill is mm-hmm. I was I didn't smoke smoke weed I didn't do nothing. it was I was into the music
0: but at that point you was looking for some type of um escape escape
2: yeah mm-hmm. you know I, there was there was a hurt there was I was hurting inside yeah so I take it without even like thinking through what I'm about to take so I'm mm-hmm. sit there and take it some of the other dudes take it and then boom it was a ride it was like a movie like it was like it was crazy yeah so I that was like the gateway for me, the gateway opening opening of of me to try and okay. So if this thing made me feel this way, and I forgot about my pain, what else is out there? Yeah. So that's kind of how that I started. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I come to realize that my boy who breaks dance was a dealer. This whole time I've known him for years. And he mm-hmm. he's been dealing, mm-hmm. and so then I realized, oh no wonder he was always he I wore the fly clothes, and and I was I was wondering like how's he doing? His parents must have got money and this mm-hmm. and that, but he was oh, doing he his it. thing, yeah. yeah, yeah. So going through that man, I went through a lot of pain. Uh, I was pretty much getting high almost every single day for like three years doing ecstasy. I mean we was we was doing some crazy stuff to the point of like mixing acid with ecstasy and weed. I mean we was just called candy flipping back in the days, yeah. and so my mind mentally was, I mean, was out there. Gone. Yeah. But I think one of the, and I always say this, man, and a lot of people laugh about it, I felt like the friends that I was with, we were real, like, nerds. Mm-hmm. Like, like, not only we were nerds when it came down to dancing, because we studied the art of dancing. We studied the art of hip-hop. Like, we right. were nerds with that. So when it came down to getting high, we ended up, like, becoming nerds. Like, we actually, like, would figure out what could we do to extend the lifespan of our high, Dang. So, like, and, and I'm going to tell you this right now, like, there was a website called Arrowhead, mm-hmm. and I'm saying this, and it's still around today, uh, where it, it would tell you, like, the the chemicals of this particular drug, like, whether it be a, a cannabis, whether it be ecstasy or, or, or LSD or whatever. So, we would read this stuff, like, like we mad scientists in here reading this stuff. <laughs> And we're sitting here like it say, like, all right, don't eat for 24 hours before you induce this. Mm-hmm. Uh, take a vitamin C in the middle of your trip or your high, you know, this is gonna extend the lifespan. Like this is the kind of stuff that I was in, you know, which yeah. is real, which is I think back now, like back now, like man, I was crazy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. So here I am, three years into this, and then I finally realized like. You know, of course, my parents ended up finding out the stuff that I was, you know, doing, which... How was that? Oh, that was crazy. Yeah. I mean... How did so, they find out, though? So, it's so a Wednesday night. They're at the uh, prayer service. Mm-hmm. I ended up staying home because I ended up not coming home because I was practicing. Yeah. So, they were like, you know, my dad's a minister. He's got to open up the church, and so he's got no choice but to leave to go. So, he takes the whole family. I get home. No one's home. So, my, my boy and I, we roll up a suite. Mm-hmm. We're in the backyard smoking. I ended up leaving one of the windows open by accident. Mm. So all the smoke went where? In the house. In the house. <laughs> garage door opens up. I hear the garage door, and I'm like, crap. I told my boy, man, get your stuff and go. He grabs his backpack. He runs, jumps the fence, <laughs> dashes out. Mm-hmm. I run in the house, and I'm like, man, I'm dead. So this particular night, for I don't know why, but, you know, I ended up taking an ecstasy pill that particular night as well, mm. not thinking through of my options. Yeah. And by the way, by this time, man, I wasn't like really all there just mentally. Like I wasn't thinking through stuff. Right. You know, I was just really, really just kind of just trying to get high, just trying to, you know, uh, numb the pain and stuff. Right. So here I am on a Wednesday night. Um, my, I'm, in the, I'm in the restroom. My dad's knocking on the door, banging on the door, banging on the door. The trip's starting to hit me. Yeah. Right. Ecstasy's is hitting me and I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't think through this. I'm putting water <laughs> in my face. Like yeah. open the door. First thing my dad does is boom, slaps me. Dang. Oh, yep, slap, smacks <laughs> me, bro. Smacks me, bro. Smacks me. <laughs> and he's sitting, he's sitting no, there, right? He's sitting there yelling. But I'll be honest with you, man, because of the because of the nature of me being high, because of being under the influence, I could not even process the stuff that he was saying. Dang. So I'm sitting here like, man, I got to get out of here. Because I'm like, at the same time, they can't see me this messed up. Yeah. So I dash, I leave, I leave the house, you know, and this is already probably about 9, 9.30 at night. I leave the house. Um, and then I ended up going to like this little area in my neighborhood at Ridgemont where I grew up at, um, where they had like these, you know, the electrical generators, they'll normally put a fence and a light around it. Yeah. So it was this area where I was like, man, you know what, I'm going to go over there, kind of just ride it out try to get back and sober again and write it out. Um, and that particular line, I had like this spiritual experience. Now, I don't want to bore y'all too much or, or no, no, no. a lot of y'all might might think this is, what I'm about to share, a lot of people might not believe this, but this is my story mm-hmm. and this is what I experienced. And I think this story was something that I needed to go through right. for, for me to kind of find my exit to my pain, you know? Gotcha. And so here I am in this place, in this dark alley, looking around, and I'm hearing these kids playing around. It's like 9, 30, 10. I'm hearing kids playing around. Mind you, I'm on ecstasy. I'm high. I'm looking around, looking for kids. There ain't no kids around.
0: Right. So you think you're tripping right now. I
2: think I'm tripping. I'm like, man, I'm tripping, man. I'm tripping. I was like, man, I got to just chill. Mm -hmm. So I look down, you know, down the dark alley, and then I see this this demonic being standing in midair with a head, and, and it didn't have a body. It had It had a head and feet under it. And so it started dashing, like running midair towards me. This is like Annabelle, you watching the Annabelle scary <laughs> type stuff, man. You know, this is what that is. Right. So I'm seeing this thing literally coming towards my way. And right before it literally kind of like, I guess, touches me or hits me, on my right side, a hand appears in front of my eyes with a robe and it spoke some scriptures. And before this entity could hit me or do whatever it was that it came to do, it, like, it like hit my chest and it bounced off. As yeah. soon as that happened, I was like, man, I got to go. Like, I, I, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, so I get up and I ended up, you know, uh, heading to my grandma's house, which is right around the corner as well. Because we all kind of, you know, Latinos, we like to stay together. Family like to stay yeah. together. We normally live, yeah, you know, yeah. live in the same neighborhood. <laughs> right. so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go to my grandma's house and she already knew what was going on. My mom had already called because they, yeah. they were trying to look for me. They were like, where did he go? They mm-hmm. couldn't find me. So I go to my grandma's or whatever. Um, and that's kind of the story of when my parents find out, right? And then yeah. there was that experience. Mm-hmm. So that particular experience, I felt like after when that happened, I started just, like, you know, I would go out and party with my boys, but then I would have these, like, real spiritual, crazy experiences. Mm. So it's like it's like I was getting high, but I couldn't enjoy my high anymore because I was yeah. like, after that day, I realized – this whole idea of angels and demons might be real. Mm -hmm. Because even though I grew up in church, because I was always exposed to the Bible, I didn't believe in heaven and hell. I felt like, man, this is what old people do. You know mm. they ain't got nothing else to do. They just they got they are gonna meet. You know like this is a social club. Yeah, you know, th- Yeah, you this know. Is, you know they ain't got nothing else to do. They don't want to go to the club more. They're married. They, yeah. You know they don't want to go and party. This is what you do when you get old. And that's go to church. That,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> what I thought. So you looked at it as a social thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And okay.
2: I I mean growing up in church, I didn't believe I didn't believe in any of the stuff my dad was preaching. You know what I'm saying? I, it mm-hmm. was real hard for me to believe into that stuff. Yeah. Um, Isn't which that I
0: funny though like. It's like when you grow up under that, like most PKs, they, um, have some kind of like they uh rebellion against yeah i mean religion
2: i think if there's a huge rebellion i think it has to do with a couple of things man i think from my from my personal experience i think there's a lot of pressures yeah there's a lot of pressure from your parents Mm -hmm. and i think there's a lot of pressure from the congregation man
0: definitely you have an image yeah there's like being the president yes (laughs) yes yes
2: but you know it's crazy I, i said this once on on a on a different occasion um i feel like People within the congregation with PKs, they put such a high expectation on them, mm-hmm. but they don't put that kind of expectation on their kids, which is crazy. Yeah, because it's like, how are you gonna put me up here? But you don't, put you're your not willing to do that with your own here. kids. That's so, a good point. You know, that's something for y'all, people out there putting all this pressure on <laughs> PKs for y'all right. to think through through real quick.
0: That's that's a good, that's a good thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So. Yeah.
2: I go through this process, whatever, and then uh, that's when my parents find out. Um, so here I am, fast forward three years. Um, you know, I'm still dealing with the whole drug thing. I ended up moving so out. So even
0: of, that experience of the demon and the angel still wasn't enough. That to wasn't get you to be like.
2: So I think I think, nah, I, I, think I think I think I didn't. So it wasn't that I didn't believe then. When that happened, I was like, okay, maybe this idea of God and, and you start considering. Yeah, it. Yeah, let me consider this for a second. Yeah. But it wasn't like. That, you, you know here I am you work. know fast forward 3 years in and by the way you know I go through this spiritual experience and that wasn't really enough for me to say hey I got to stop yeah I got to stop you know these these decisions that I'm that I'm you know making with with getting high every day and stuff like that so yeah. Fast forward three years in, my parents ended up moving to Katy. I ended up getting my GED in Katy, and I'm like, man, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. Shout
0: like, out to KTX. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to yeah. all the people in Katy, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I ended up just getting my GED at Mady Creek, and I ended up you know moving out with my with my uncle, who at the time my uncle was real young, but he was uh very understanding. Yeah. You know, um, he was my uh, my mom's brother, but he was like. You know, I would say maybe about 10 years older than I was. Mm-hmm. But he was that cool. You know, I think we all have that yeah, cool, cool uncle, uncle that we look up to. Like, yeah. you know, he, he ride the nice cars. He dressed well. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, I want to be like the him. relatable one. Yeah, the yeah. relatable one. So he was that guy. Mm-hmm. And so I think with him, too, though, I think he saw and he kind of knew what I was dealing with. Yeah. And so my parents knew that he's going to leave. Like, they knew, man, you know, that I was going to leave. Right. Whether, whether it be with someone they didn't know or, you know what I'm saying? And so my, my uncle was like, hey, i got an apartment. He can come move in with me. I'm going to help him get a job because I think that's what he needed. Like, he felt like that's what I needed. I needed a taste of real life. Right you know, and so I ended up getting, a, you know, moving in with him, ended up getting my first car, which was cost me like $700, which was a 1987 Chevy Nova, mm. you know, it was a, it was a little four door, a little hoopty, you yeah. know, um, we caught, we used to call it a limo tint back in the days, because yeah. they had limo tint in it, you know oh. what I mean, yeah, yeah, limo <laughs> tint in it, yeah. so, um, you know, I'm living with my uncle, you know, getting pretty much, man, I worked like two jobs, I was working as a um, I was doing billing and coding for a pain doctor, mm-hmm. uh, and that's another story, by the way. But I don't want to share too much about that. <laughs> but uh, pain, I, you know, work for a pain doctor, and then I worked part time at night at uh, jeans. I mean, at Guess Jeans at uh, uh, the Galleria. Okay. So you know, the the idea or the lifestyle of me getting high every day really slowed down because life hit working. me. Yeah, now I'm working. I got yeah. bills to pay. You know, I got you know I got to feed myself. So, but nevertheless, Friday Saturday came around. It was it was on. So. I was down at corporate. Some of y'all who know in Houston where corporate is at, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was down at corporate where my boys lived at, and we had bought, like, an 8 ball of uh, crystal meth. This is when crystal meth was just kind of hitting the streets. Yeah. So we all kind of pitched in and got an 8 ball of crystal meth. And um, this is like, back in, like, I would say, this is probably August, July or August of 2004. <clears throat> so we are at the house, and we almost did, like, a ritual thing. So, like, if anyone wanted a line, we all had to get a line because we wanted to make sure that we all – Separating we all got our share right you know so I ended up taking the line and then uh, somebody else wanted to get their line so I had to get in line and get my line again mm-hmm. and so here I am about eight lines in I ended up taking the XCC pill and was smoking weed. yeah it's crazy crazy <laughs> <laughs> crazy man yeah crazy <laughs> so I'm in his apartment and all of a sudden like my vision turns white I feel like I can hear people's thoughts. You know, I'm, I'm freaking out. Like, I'm freaking out. I'm just like, oh, man, what did I do?
0: Yeah.
2: You know, and I'm like, okay, I can't go to sleep because if I fall asleep, I, I can go to cardiac arrest and not, not ever wake up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But if I keep moving around, I could probably get a stroke. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I'm in. What, the, do I do? <laughs> what do I
1: do? He's in a lose lose situation. Yeah, I'm in a lose. Yeah, yeah.
2: So I'm like, just what do I do? Be still. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, what do I do? You know, I'm, right. I'm going through this. And in my mind, it's crazy because my mind was like, it's just the drugs, chill, go sit down, stop moving around, and just chill. Don't mm-hmm. fall asleep, but just chill, relax. Right. You're like, you know, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Something in me was telling me that. And I was like, all right, cool. So I found a chair. I'm sitting down, and my boy's girlfriend's sitting in the couch. And, we're, just, you know, there's a movie going on, which was Fear and Loathing. And we're seeing this crazy movie. You know, it, it, this, it's like a movie, man. I'm telling you, man. I look back right now. I'm like, man, I could literally probably put a movie together for this. Let's but
1: do it. I yeah. know, right? Yeah. yeah. For real. <laughs> Straight up.
2: So here I am. It's like, you know, August of 2000, July of August, 2004, or whatever, um, in this apartment. And then all of a sudden, man, I just feel like my spirit is leaving my body. Literally, I'm leaving my. How does my, that
0: feel? If you can put it in words.
2: Man, I f- it feels like you're falling down. Mm-hmm. Right. So the idea that I get is, it's crazy because I was at two places in one time. I could still physically, this is crazy. I could see my body above me. In the apartment you could see it I could see my body above me right but I but my spirit was out of it no it was no longer there yeah, but I'm leaving so I felt like it was as I was leaving that apartment, I kept sinking in and the place that I was sinking in was like this dark abyss Dang. all right it's like a dark abyss mm-hmm. yeah but so it's imagine like whenever you get in a train and like you know you're looking outside and then the further you get. The, the, the smaller it gets, right? Like yeah. the eye, the, whatever it is that you're looking at, the smaller it gets. Well, imagine I'm looking at my body and it's getting smaller because I'm leaving it. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm going further away from it. That's kind of what it looked like. Man. And so I'm going through this dark abyss and then I'm just like, oh, crap, what's going on? Yeah. And all of a sudden I hear these entities around me laughing at me saying, like, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? You know, that the, that the uh, pastor's son died of a drug overdose. these you're are hearing all this. I'm hearing this. Wow. And they're laughing. And th- these are entities I cannot see, but I could feel and see them around me.
0: Yeah.
2: So the, your idea, and normally, like most of us, when fear kicks in, it's two things we do. We either fight back or we run. Right. Right? There's two things that we do. Yep. And so fear kicks in. So I'm trying to say, you know what? I got to run. I, and the reason why I decided to run, it wasn't like I, I can fight one demon or one, one entity. Yeah. It was a lot of them. So you already on know. On top
1: of that, you said you didn't see it, or did you see no, it?
2: No, I didn't see, but I could, I could tell it was a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. So you know, when 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 you're about to fight, you can kind of see, but I cannot fight five, six people at one time. Yeah. yeah. You you that's so a battle, I cannot. You, win. Yeah, I cannot <laughs> win. So what you got to do? I got to find my way out. Right. So that's kind of you know run, run. So I decided I need to run. But here's the thing, you know, when God talks about eternity in heaven, it's eternity, it's eternal. Mm-hmm. I'm in this black abyss, which is eternity, it's eternal. There's no sense of direction there. There's no sense of up, down. No sense of time. No, no sense of time. There's none. So I'm trying to run, but that's an idea here on earth, yeah. on my physical body, not on my spiritual body. I can't go nowhere. I'm stuck. So it's crazy because I'm experiencing this, but yet the, my friend's girlfriend who's sitting next to me on the couch is having a full-on-fledged conversation with me. <laughs>
0: I don't know no how I have
2: no idea what I'm experiencing. That you,
0: well, that's crazy.
2: And and I and I even think back right now, like, what was that really me talking to her or who was really talking to her? It might not even be you. Right. It's crazy. So I, so I and <laughs> I don't even know the conversation that I'm having with her. Yeah. But I know that she's having me having a conversation because I can kinda hear mm-hmm. her voice. That's background noise. As ba- yeah. So yeah. she sits there and says something about my family. Mm-hmm. So the moment she says something about my family, I think of my father. The moment I think of my father, I think about Jesus. Mm. So the moment I think about Jesus, is crazy. The moment the idea and the thought that I think about Jesus, everything stops. It's like everything froze. It's like the demons disappeared. Yeah. Right? Everything froze. Then all of a sudden, I feel myself gravitating back up. I start gravitating back up. And then all of a sudden, I get back into my body, which is weird to explain. I get back into my body. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, here I am partying, doing all this drug around, like, 11.30 at night. Here I am the next day. It's like 9 in the morning. So I'm back. Nine, the following day, 9 in the morning, in my body, I'm looking around like, what just happened? Yeah. More than half the people are no longer there. They're gone. Everyone had already went home. Mm-hmm. My boys that lived in the apartment are sleeping. I'm sitting there like, what just happened?
0: And as far as you know, you haven't been asleep yet.
2: I haven't been asleep. As far as I know. Yeah. There ain't no telling. I mean, was I asleep? I couldn't tell you. Right. You know, I don't know. So... I didn't feel like I was asleep. I'll tell you that. Yeah. You know, I didn't feel like I. So I get back and then I'm asking my boy, like, bro, what just happened? And he was like, What do you mean? I'm like, What just happened?
0: Yeah.
2: And he's like, What you mean? You've been sitting there the whole day, the whole time. And in my mind, I'm like, Okay, cool. Like, I'm like, man, you know, I don't even want to have this discussion, you know, because I didn't want to freak him out, or I didn't want to be that dude, you know what I'm saying? Where like, man, he tripping. Like, don't get, don't have him come around. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. You know, you got dudes in there really tripping. It's Mm -hmm. like, bro, he crazy. I didn't want to be that guy. Right. So I go home, wash up, whatever, and then I get to this place where, like, <clears throat> okay, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to start really searching this idea of God and Jesus. And, you know, so I started, like, going to my brother's, like, Bible study that he had on Wednesday night. So I started showing up.
0: So your brother took the preach, the marching, the what they would expect of you. Wow. Yeah,
2: yeah, pretty yeah, okay, much. Yeah. My, yeah, my brother was, yeah. you know, pr- pretty much went that route where, you know, he was— You know, being a a great stand-up guy. You know, he he did the leadership. He went through like leadership courses, and Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying. He he did really well. You know what I mean. And so, but the thing too is, remember, like my brother, which is one thing that I really love about my brother is that because we grew up in the hood, he had a heart for people from the hood. Mm -hmm. So a lot of his Bible studies, he was reaching dudes from the hoods. You know, so when we go, it was dudes from the hoods. It wasn't like dudes that grew up in church. Right. He was real adamant about really reaching those kinds of people, you know. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and which is crazy because now that I think about it, I identified that with people that were, that were there, which Mm -hmm. is why I kept going back Hmm. because I felt like, okay, these dudes that they kind of understand what I've gone through or what I'm going through. Yeah. So I would show up to these things. And so, you know, my brother would preach and I ended up moving back home. This is, you know, already 2004. This is probably about September 2004. I am moving back to my parents' house or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he's having consistently Bible studies. So I'm showing up. And sometimes I'm not showing up, you know, because I'm still kind of dabbling with this idea. And I'm still wrestling with the experiences that yeah. I just had. So I remember one Wednesday he talks about, um, you know, that God makes a, a, a pact with men. He made packs with, like, Moses and, you know, a lot of men in the Bible. You know, he makes yeah. pacts with them. And so... I was in. I was like on the fence. I was like, "Man, do I go full on? Like, what do I do now?" Mind you, I'm going to church or I'm going to these Bible studies, but I'm still not 100. percent Like, I'm still kind of going out, yeah, still kind of
0: testing the water. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, but I'm not. I'm not doing hardcore stuff after that first spiritual experience. I kind of really slowed down. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, I'm no longer in control of my intake of usage, yeah. like I thought I was. Mm-hmm. So. When my brother starts talking to me, or within that time frame that my brother was talking about, you know, God makes a, a pact with men, I was kind of already, like, trying to see, you know what, I want to make some more money. So, I started kind of selling on the side. Okay. So, selling Coke, pretty much. Mm-hmm. That only lasted for a month, by the way. It was the worst feeling. And I don't know how some of y'all, y'all's drug dealers out there doing that <laughs> thing. I don't know how y'all go to sleep. Yeah. Straight up. I don't know how you drive down the street and not worry about getting pulled over. Yeah. I'm just saying, I mean...
0: I always got to look over your shoulder. Yeah,
2: I was looking over your shoulder, left and right. You don't know if if your boy's going to rat on you. You don't know if it's a narc. I mean, it's all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So here I am experiencing this, and I'm like, man, I think at at that time, I had about maybe three bags of Coke left and, like, an ecstasy pill or whatever. And I was like, you know what? This was like, you know what? This is my last run. So I was like, you know what? It's like I had already made a decision to say, I no longer want to do this, but I I don't want to just stop. Let me go out with my last... Little bit of, you know, lines of coke and my ecstasy. Let me just have my last deal. Yeah, I'm gonna do
0: this one last it time. It is one last time.
2: So I take it and I'm on my dad's house, mind you, mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the game room, chilling, watching TV. I'm on ecstasy pill. This is about maybe 12:31. For some reason, my dad wakes up in the middle of the night. He wakes up in the middle of the night and he's praying. Like, you know, he's on his knees praying and everything. And all of a sudden, mind you, I'm upstairs on ecstasy on, on some coke and I start to feel real bad. And, I, and the thought process that was that came through was, how could I be living in this man, a man of God's house, and yet I'm in here doing this stuff? Right. That's what I that's what I thought. And when the moment that I thought that man, I just I just felt this big, great depression just fall on me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I shut the TV off. I went to the room. This is September 2004. I go to the room. I lay down, and I remember everything that we talked about that my brother was teaching about how God makes, uh, you know, pack with men. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Let me try this idea of this God and all this. Let me see if this is real. And I said, hey, I literally lay down and said, hey, the creator of this world, whoever it is that you are, I want to talk to you. If you say you, you make packs with men, then I want to make a pack with you right now and prove to me that you're real. This is literally in my bed. And I said, hey, take away my drug addiction. Take away everything that I've been dealing with, and I'll live the rest of my life for you. The moment that I said that, I get a line of chills from – the st- like starting from my feet. Like mind you, I'm laying down. Yeah. So I feel this line. It's like a laser almost. Like a scanner almost. You know, yeah. you feel the this line just going up, going up, going up until it hit my head. As soon as it hit my head, it's like I, I go into this deep sleep or trance or whatever you want to call it.
0: As if you've been like baptized. You know? Yes,
2: yes. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. crazy. So I do believe in like, you know, when when um for some of y'all who are out there who are listening, whether you believe or not, but you know, when you give your life to Jesus, something happens. There's a transfer of spirit. Mm-hmm. The spirit of God comes over you, and he takes over you, and there's a transfer there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I believe that's what happened to me that night. I believe that whatever was in me prior to, mm-hmm. that line of chills pushed all that out of me. Yeah. And God was like, okay, I'm going to rest in you now. My spirit, my Holy Spirit is going to be in you now. And I felt like that's what happened that night. Right. So because I made a pact with God and I asked him to make himself real. He was like, "Okay, you want me to you I'm going to show you now how real I am." Yeah. So, I fall asleep and in my dream, I'm in this cathedral. It's dark, it's gloomy, it's candles and statues all over, and I'm looking around scared.
0: You got some crazy dreams. Yeah, 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 yeah a, it is. It not is. Not crazy, but you know like yeah. yeah. But but everything, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah, very profound. profound. There it
2: is. But <laughs> see, but see so and 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 I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I've been sober 16 years, Mm -hmm. and in the process that I've been in, I've realized the meanings of these dreams, but it's taken me years. And I felt like God to unpack all of that and to realize what they meant because they all have significance. There's Things in those dreams mean something. Mm -hmm. And so in this dream, I'm in this cathedral with all these candles and statues. And what I realize now, those cathedrals and, and things that I, and statues that were the lifestyle and the things or the entities that I worshiped, Those were the things that I ended up building over my course of year life. So those things were getting in the way of God. Those things were getting in the way of you know what I'm saying? Of of what God wanted me to have. So
0: was that like symbolic to religion in a sense because of the candles in the cathedral, it's the stuff that people worship. Yes. Pretty much instead of Yes, that's taken away from the relationship exactly. with Jesus exactly yeah.
2: exactly, and mm-hmm. that's I do believe that that's what they represented. I think those were things that I built uh walls against God and walls and for me to really build a relationship on who he really is, yeah, and so I'm in this cathedral, I'm like scared as hell, I'm like, man, I need to go somewhere. I'm trying to run around. there's no exit door, there's none. Mm-hmm. It's just four walls around me. A voice above said, "Hey, chill, hold on and and wait, yeah, this voice was like authority and power but yet calming it was crazy so i ended up calming myself down as soon as i calmed myself down the right side of the wall shook and it slid open just like a sliding door would it yeah. slid open to the right it just slid open and the voice buffs is like run but run as fast as you can so i jetted. i mean if if, if you guys could really see the things that were in there you don't want to be inside the cathedral yeah, and the moment you here. see an exit door you're gonna run out of there right Boy so i run a four-flat. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm running out. I'm mm-hmm. running out, man, and I'm running, running. And then all of a sudden, I get to a place where, like, I can't run anymore. I turn mm-hmm. around and I look, which is when I was able to see that I was in a cathedral, right? I was looking able to look at the outside. Yeah. But in the world that I was in or in this dream, the land or the grass or the ground was black, was dark, hmm. So I'm panting, looking at the cathedral, staring at it, trying to catch my breath. And then all of a sudden, in the sky, there's this big, great, big fireball. The only thing I can think of is Armageddon, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at this great, big fireball that's coming towards the cathedral. It blows up the cathedral. It's blowing up the earth. It's kind of like the Batman movie, you know, when they're in the Super Bowl. Where yeah. that little soup, And it's, everything's exploding, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it felt like. The ground was, like, literally exploding everywhere. So the ground is exploding, and it's coming towards me. And right when it's about to hit me, I wake up the next day. September 2004 was the day that God gave me my freedom, and I no longer went back to the drugs, and no, no desire or nothing.
0: No rehab. No rehab. No, I didn't do no
2: rehab. Uh, even when I had my, uh, my drug overdose, I didn't go to get any—I didn't go get checked. Yeah. I didn't go to the hospital. I didn't—you know what I'm saying? I didn't wing myself out. It was from one day to the next. Wow. And so, and I always tell this to a lot of people. I don't think that for me specifically, I don't think there would have been any preaching that could have saved me. I don't think. Yeah, I think it had to be a personal experience Mm -hmm. that Jesus had to come down and say, okay, I'm going to show you how real I am. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you. I think that that is the same God that is alive today. That's telling everybody right now, like, hey, I want to be. I want you to have a personal experience of who I am. See, a lot of times. We grow up with parents who love God and who love Jesus, right? And, and God is saying, hey, that's great, and they're experiencing who I am, but I need you to experience who I am. Right. And the same experience that I've given your parents is not the same experience that I'm going to give you. Right, and I was about to
0: get to that because I was—the example of you and your brother is like a great example of how you have your own path. Yes. Right. He took— this kind of path to get to this place. Yes. And you took that kind of path mm-hmm. to get to that place, but y'all ended up in the, the same, same place. place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs>
2: so I go through this, and, you know, you go through this wow factor, you know, Jesus, and you find Jesus, and you really, like, find the freedom that you've been looking for. Yeah. And so through that process, man, I ended up, like, um, you know, at my dad's church, I ended up – uh putting together like a rap group. Mm -hmm. And back then, we did Spanish and English. So we were rapping in Spanish, both uh, hip-hop music or rap music and then also reggaeton music, Okay, right? And back then, like, reggaeton was becoming real popular, too. And mind you, we go to a Latino church, so it was going to be a hit. (laughs) <laughs> so I introduced rap and reggaeton for the first time at my dad's church. So I pioneered that into my dad's church. Okay. Like that was something that. So at
0: this, part, <clears throat> at this point, he's more open to the idea. Yeah, even I think. Even though it's not secular hip hop. Yeah, no.
2: yeah. I think at this point, my dad kind of saw the process. So mm-hmm. before even my dad allowed me to get on that stage. Yeah. He wanted, I think he kind of watched my walk with Jesus yeah. for about a year and a half to see, like, okay, let me make sure that this is real. Let me yeah. see if this is really what he wants, mm-hmm. or let me make sure that, that this commitment is real. Yeah. So he kind of watched me, and then I think um, there was proof in the puddings. I started going to, like, mm-hmm. leadership courses, discipleship courses, um, how to preach the Word of God. Like, you know, my at the church, they would have all of these classes that you could take so that you could you know grow within the faith and you know kind of find yourself where you're going to be at where are you are you a teacher are you a preacher are you like a sunday school teacher are you good with kids are you good with youth are you good you know like right you know so you you serve obviously you mm-hmm. serve in, that, in those capacities so i mean at the time i was serving at um doing live sound with the church you yeah. know which i liked it because it was it was just unique and different mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so through that i ended up you know putting the, the rap team together and it was a big hit for us. I mean, every Friday night we had 300 youth show up for almost 2 years straight because we were using the cultures to attract right. the kids. We were speaking a language that they knew and understood. Mm-hmm. And so we were rapping with like we were rapping with the worship team which my brother, my older brother who was doing the bible said he was yeah. the lead the lead worship te- uh he was leading the worship team. Yeah. And so he knew like man, you know what? We can use the arts to pull and so he took a chance. Now, mind you, at that time, there was like 50% of the leadership or elders or people that were there were like, no, nah, that's the devil crucifying yeah, yeah, yeah. him. God ain't going to use that. I ask you that
0: because did you face any backlash? So
2: I didn't face backlash. My older brother did. And I think, okay. I think it was. Because he allowed it. Yeah. yeah like, I, yeah. Think, I think, yeah, because he's the one that allowed that. Yeah. But I think, I think it was crazy because he took a lot of the backlash more so than I did. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a healthy thing for me to for, for me not to go through that backlash. Cause I think if I would have gone through it I probably would have either left. I would have hit somebody. I mean. Would
0: have kept going back to your old cycles. So yeah, like, like, yeah. I tried. Yeah. You know, yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah.
2: So I think it was a God thing, too, where like now my brother dealt. And he was obviously already into faith. He was a lot more mature than I was. Yeah. So he could deal with those things. Right. So there was 50 percent that was like, now nah, that ain't a God. And there was another 50 percent like, yes, there is. So the moment that we start using it, we start seeing lives being touched through it. Right. You know what I'm saying? The arts and the cultures. In particular, like, young people. young particular, young people. Yeah. So the other 50% had no choice but to shut up.
0: But to accept it. Yeah. I'll having, when y'all first walked in here, I was having the thought that the face of Christianity should look like y'all. Yeah. And it shouldn't be like an old, white, no, Jimmy Swagger no, guy. No, no, no. Because nuh. just yeah, because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to ask you this question, sure. too. But just because y'all are more relatable. Sure. And how do you feel? Because I feel like now... As you know, um, we bu- we're about to enter twenty twenty. Yeah. The um, millennials yes. are moving further and further away from religion and toward what they call spirituality, which yes. is not necessarily a bad thing. Sure. But they're just going away from the church yes. because the church is not relatable for them at the moment. I think what there's think about that? there's a high percentage of that.
2: I believe yeah. that there is a uh, a big gap right now in the older churches. Mm-hmm. Um there's a big gap between the ages of eight, 18 and 35 or 36. Yeah. And so I think that's I think that's a dangerous place to be in for the church Definitely. because you don't have the uh, there's no future for that church. Mhm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so we do believe that God is is a God of order and we do believe that there's some things that should always stay true to mm-hmm. to us as believers whether you old whether you're millennial or you're not a millennial there's some things that they're gonna always be truths right mm-hmm. um, that we should always follow but I do believe that as the earth keeps, Uh, growing or as we keep growing as human as humans and as social media keeps growing i think we need to be able to embrace those things to expand the gospel Mm -hmm. um i did this i think it was years ago i started preaching on the idea of uh that's that's the internet or social media is a virtual mission field Mm -hmm. this is before what we see today because we're starting to see a lot more younger or newer churches embrace the yeah. idea of podcasting, like what you're doing. Definitely. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. Putting, putting, recording your preachings online and putting mm-hmm. them online. And, and not just putting them online, but making them look a certain way. Yeah. Because you got to put in nice little graphics, backgrounds. You got to put dope music to it.
0: Because I remember I went to, actually, my friend who uh, recommended you for the podcast. I went to her church. And during the announcements, sure. the background music was like, uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z yeah, song, yeah, like the yeah. instrumental. It wasn't, they yeah. weren't singing, but the instrumental. The instrumental, yeah. And that just catches you, you're like, okay, right. like, all right. But I think you know
2: what I, mean? I, I think we should continue to use those things. I think there's a right and a wrong way to use those things, right? You Definitely. know, I, I think we can use those things because I think the loss, that's what they know, yeah. and that's what makes them comfortable. Mm-hmm. So how do you make somebody who's lost going to go into your church and make them feel comfortable to where they can put that that wall down? hmm and so you use what they know. You use, you know what I'm saying? You put that, that Drake beat behind that piece.
0: Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? Put that put that Kendrick Lamar because I mean some of the beats are dope. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It it, it doesn't take a, a either a Christian or a non believer to identify that it's dope.
0: It's kinda like uh a Tyler Perry... With- with Medea fans. Yes. Instance. Let me dress up as Medea. Yes. That's gonna draw you in. But when you come watch the movie, yes. you're gonna go away. And there's a lot of nuggets
2: of truth in, in those movies. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah. I think it should be the same way within the church. Correct. I think we need to be able to embrace that. So for me, I knew that there was power in in the idea of I gotta look the part. Yeah.
0: people you know, like to be entertained.
2: Yes. I gotta look mm-hmm. the part. So, you know, here I am at my dad's church, we do that. Um, I start kind of learning how to make beats. Mm-hmm. Um, we start dressing the part too. I mean, you know, bag, back then was baggy pants, obviously. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, you know, we start to dress the part. And so it attracted people from the outside. Yeah. But not only did it attract people from the outside, it also attracted other other youth ministries that didn't have that because the churches were too closed-minded. Yeah. So we had a lot of youth pastors and other youth ministries also join in on those Friday nights. Mm-hmm. Now, I say this, we were definitely pushing back then, pushing, you know, I'm saying really just kind of pushing within, even within the Latino churches, yeah. you know, really pushing forward. And so I ended up learning how to produce about turntables at home. I started practicing at home. We ended up bringing like Andy Menio, which is now, uh, well, back then he was Sea Light. Mm-hmm. So we brought Andy Menio down for the, for the first time here in, in Texas through my church and so our we had a hip-hop night friday night so we ended up uh, inviting andy Menio, j flow uh the rap group that i was in and so i was like man you know if we're gonna do a true hip-hop thing like we're gonna we going to we got to make it look hip-hop you know what yeah. i'm saying we gotta make it look so it attracts people to want to come out so i ended up we ended up building this like boom box this little boom box table yeah. huge just like six feet wide like seven feet tall, and we use that as a platform to put the turntables on. And so this is the first time at this youth night that I ended up bringing turntables. I learned it at home, but I was just like, man, you know what? It'd be dope. It's going to give the full effect of a hip-hop event. Right. So I ended up DJing for the for, for C-Light, for J-Flow, and for the rap group that I was in. Yeah. And so... At this time, I wasn't like a DJ. There was no DJ Overflow. At this time, I was only known as a rapper Overflow. Yeah. And by the way, don't go looking for my old rap, by the way. It's <laughs> trash, all right? Don't do it, all right? <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> you know, you're going to be disappointed. But, <laughs> uh,
0: go pull them out the vault. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. Yeah. So um, I ended up DJing. J Flow ends up calling me. My boy J Flow uh, ends up calling me. He's like, hey, man, I got like a little small mini tour for like, you know, two, Two, or two weeks or so, he had like four or five churches. He's like, man, I just need a DJ. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bro, I'm not a DJ. I said, I just kind of serve in my church. Just really wanted to give a dope experience. Yeah. And he's like, man, that's what I need. So by this time I'm married, I asked my wife like, hey, what do you think about? Should I try this out? What do, what do I do? She's like, I mean, you should try it out. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, cool. Hey, man, I'm available. Always Lock a it in. To give you the yeah, place. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, shout out to my wife too, by the way, man, because my success and everything that I've been able to do the last, I would say, six, seven years has been because of her sacrifice. So shout out to my wife, Lily. Love you. Um, so here I am going through this process of DJing. So I started to DJ and I started to meet all these other Christian rappers because I didn't know there were so many of them specifically here in Houston. Yeah. Uh, so I start meeting them and then I start giving my number out and I start getting phone calls to say, hey, man, I'm doing this event. Can you come out? I'm doing this event. Can you come out? And that's kind of how I naturally progressed. Right. Um. I ended up going full-time. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be full-time seven years this year, uh, sometime in September, I believe. Congratulations. That's yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've been doing the music 15, 16 years, uh, but full-time seven. And I look back, and it's just been an amazing journey, man. It's been crazy. That's kind of how everything kind of landed. It wasn't, oh, I woke up and say, I want to become this successful Christian DJ, right, or this DJ that honors God, right? Right. Uh, It was just more of like God really just allowed it. But there was a process from Mm -hmm. uh, really learning who he is to building in my discipleship and my character. And I believe that God is more worried about that. I think he wants to give you all the success. Mm -hmm. He wants to give you all the platforms. He wants to give you all the uh, experiences that come with whatever it is that you want to do right in life. But he wants to make sure that it's your character that keeps you there. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I'm saying that I – sh- I share that now because I know my, my, my boy AZ and I, we were kind of discussing that on the way in, mm-hmm. where, like, we know a lot of people who have gotten amazing platforms, but we look and we, we try to see where they're at today, and it's like, bro, what happened, man? Yeah. Like, that – you know, if he would have just kept on – Consistency, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for yeah.
0: sure. Yeah, for sure. So – before we get out of here, I got two more questions. Sure. One more question is is what you texted me last night. So I got to ask you about this. Um, how did the f- almost the the um, the fight with Lil Wayne at the Galleria uh. almost happen? <laughs> I need to know why you was about to fight Wayne at the Galleria. What happened? All right, happened? all right, all right. So so.
2: This is before Lil Wayne was who Lil Wayne is today, by the oh, way. Okay. So he was still, you know, kind of, you know, earning his stripes and getting in the game. He
0: was bling, bling. Yeah, the yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here I am at the Galleria, and I seen one of my friends that I went to uh, high school with it from Bulleridge. Mm-hmm. And so she was, it was two of them, and she they were with him. And so me being nice was like man I'm going to go say what's up to him. Yeah. To be honest with you I didn't know too much about Lil Wayne. I knew he was a rapper at the time, but I it, it, I wasn't like Star Star Trek or yeah. you know none of that. So I just want to say hi to them and I think he got upset. I think he got upset that I want to go say hi to his chicks or whatever. Yeah. You know I'm just trying to say hi, what's up, you know at the time. <laughs> yeah. So here he comes walking and there's this huge bouncer behind him. Man. And then uh and then so <laughs> I kind of figured he was upset, and I didn't make the situation, you know, easy either. Me being from where I'm from, too, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you know, not yeah. making the right choices or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Hey, so I was like, hey, so who's he? I literally told the girls, who's he? Uh, but he, I did it intentionally. He thought you were trying to son him. Yeah, like, you know, okay. yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> and he was like, don't worry about who I is, worry about who you is, yeah. like straight up. And so when, once, he says, once he says that, the bouncer's coming towards me, and I yeah. said, man, I got to go.
0: I like kind of, I got it. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, bro. I ain't, ain't even that deep. Exactly. Exactly. Man. Hey, AZ. Exactly. Hey yes you sir. trying to spit some bars? One time hey, for the people.
1: Let's uh hey. I think I got something for uh
0: Yeah. I told you I was gonna put you on the spot. I warned you though. So I told you.
1: <laughs> All right, man. Let's uh let me see. I got something I think it uh it goes good to what Overflow was uh, was talking was talking about. So this is actually coming off of my new one. It's called Bleed Out. Let's get it. But I'm going to give you a, 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 a short little, little thing. It goes... Hold on. Let me do my funk flex thing right quick. Hold on. Hey, hey man.
0: Go. We got my man, AZ. <laughs> AZ on, <the laughs> on, the all po- on that podcast getting ready to spit. Let's go.
1: Hey. So it goes like this. It goes... I looked into the mirror and I saw myself. Walked away and forgot myself. The path that I chose left me by myself in a deep abyss, all by myself, in a dark place like space. No gravity, no air to breathe. Many enter, but few they leave. This is fertile ground, but it's futile. When we the seeds, you don't want to put your roots down. It won't produce no living fruit. Only out of stones. Many go, but many make it home. Never. This is the place of the devil, so be careful. Hey, A. Z. Hey,
0: that's A. Z. One Ay. time. Hey, hey, pew, 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 pew. look,
2: look, look! I got, I got a little flow for A. Z. Too, go, bro. Look, go. man, for my, my, my back in the days for y'all hey, too. Since we out go. here rapping, and I'm gonna get you to rap too, right?
0: Who me? You, you. I mean, you, you know, throw passively. a little bars in. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> Yo, check it out. It says, uh, to follow you is backwards, to get lows, to get high. We get more to get much. I can't wait till we fly. Pelicans in the sky giving praises to my God. Galatians in the eye. It's that good book in my mind going crazy till I die. It's that mm. crazy I can't hide. They call him crazy on my mind. Jesus freaks. They don't die. Yeah, you know we multiply. Two fish, five lows. Prophetic. I know. Go get it, get it, go. Hey, black hearts, dark minds, pure heart. He cleaned it all because you and me, we born to fall. Look at me. Look at you. Look at you.
0: Look at me now. I ain't judging. Throw your stones. I get that book. I ain't alone. Now
1: throw me. Nah,
0: that's it. Man, hey. Like, hey, I gotta go pull up the boss. Now nah, <laughs> nah. nah. nah, I'm gonna I'm find the boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Hey, I wanna say something real quick, man, yeah. about my man Overflow. So it's crazy that you know. I really, I've been rocking with this dude. I released one album with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, two albums. Uh, 2016, I released my first Christian album. DJ Overflow produced the whole mix. Hey. And uh but just the beginning story of that real quick was, man, I had a dream. About God putting a dream in my heart to go work with this dude. Man. You know, and so, you know, that's the only reason I'm working with Overflow is because God had given me a dream. That dream and man. so, just to even hear him say, like, his story, like, this is the first time I heard, like, the fullness of his uh, for story. Real? So, yeah, yeah, just to hear him say that and how it was, uh, uh, like, the dream that God was giving him to lead him to him, right? And then him launch, you know, and do ministry like that. Yeah. Man, I'm, hey, I'm telling y'all, be on the lookout. <laughs> DJ <laughs> Appreciate Overflow. overflow. Hey, I told him I wanted to write a book too, and he going to say, it was all. Awesome. It was all a
0: dream. (laughs) So, just one last word I want you to give to um, a young person, because you know my audience is mostly young people who's listening to this, who might be, you know, struggling on their path to, um, you know, finding Jesus. Yeah. What would your advice would be? To Man, that? I think
2: my advice is uh, one of the things at least that that I dealt with being young is like I didn't have mentors. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you don't have a good relationship with your parents, right? And that's okay, because sometimes we all go through that. But I think we need to be able to share what we have inside of us. I think a lot of times we deal with depression. We deal with uh, doubt. uh, We let others bully us because we don't share what's inside of us. Mm -hmm. So I always say find an adult. Find somebody that you can identify, somebody that's positive, that's doing positive things in your community, and share the struggles that you're going through. I think that when you share what you're going through, you find freedom. When you expose yourself for the things you're going through, you find freedom. because not only do you find freedom, but I think you can find direction. And I think most most youth don't find direction because we either look for it through the music we listen to. Yeah. We either look through it through, uh, which, by the way, the music is great, but a lot of the music is entertaining. Mm-hmm. It entertains sure. you. It doesn't give you the solution to, to what you need. Right. Uh, so I think it's just finding the right mentors and people in your life to guide you to, to the truth. Right. You know, And, and that's, that's pretty much what I, what I could say to all the youth listening, man. Like, don't be like me. Yeah. You don't have to go through the pain. You don't have to go through drug addiction. You don't have to go through a mm-hmm. drug overdose. You don't. You don't have to. You like, know. You could uh, save yourself a lot of pain.
0: Like Jay Z lyric, he says, uh, "People are acting like I sold you crack. No, hope did that so hopefully people you don't have to go, have to go through exactly. that." You know I mean? so, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there it is. Exactly. So, uh, hey man, tell the people. You know, Overflow Az, tell people where they can find you on social media and all that. You yeah, know, music
2: yeah uh instagram uh at dj overflow together all one word dj overflow d dj on instagram and then you can find me on facebook at i am dj overflow or you can go to my website at com. i'm pretty much everywhere on soundcloud itunes uh spotify title everywhere else man and so you know i do production beats mixes remixes and all that so you can find it on uh, on those sites.
1: There it is. Yeah, and you can check me out, az underscore Christlike, on all social media Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Uh, I'm currently gonna be on a tour right now as well in August. You know, going through California, Nevada, Idaho. So you know for sure Texas. So if you're gonna be there, you know, come check me out, man. I got a new EP coming out called Bleed Out. So uh, gonna be working with my man DJ Overflow. So man, y'all try y'all check that out. It's on all digital media. I got an album out right now called The Great Awakening. Go check that out.
0: There it is, man. Thank you guys once again for coming on. Thank y'all Thank for you. listening. And that's it for the 35th episode of the All That podcast.